You know, we magnify the devil so much. People are afraid of him. They are not afraid of Jesus. The person to be terrified of is the angry Jesus. The merciful one, hold him, love him. You understand? It's nice. You won't find anything about The only thing he does, he holds a cane. When you misbehave, pin him on your back. Then you say, I'm sorry, sir. Then he robs the place and everything is okay. Then he continue going. Even when he's flogging you, he's not so angry. just helping you. But when he says judgment time, because he's the judge of the earth. When he says judgment time, please don't wait around. Don't. Don't hang around. If he says it is judgment time, I keep on saying, go and read the book of Revelations. You will see what happened when he determined it was time for judgment. We magnify the devil so much. Every little thing that doesn't look nice says the devil. We think he has so much power. You don't want to stand in the path of an angry Jesus. Trust me, you don't want to. He reacts just like David did. David was torn and begin to pray. He said, make their children fatherless. That's what David says. And believe me, that's what Jesus says when he says it's over. If you ever see all those terrible prayers that David prays, that is the Jesus who his mercy time has closed. That is, no, I tell you, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't fear the devil one bit. I'm not kidding about that. I look at him and what can he do? What can he do? I will tell you nothing. If he could do something, why is it tempting? If you had power, why are you tempting? The reason why he tempts is that he doesn't have the power to do anything against me. So he starts tempting. Lie with the word of God. Don't you need money? Your mates are flying private jets. <laughs> that is all he can do. Goes to a man and say, your wife is very terrible. He did that to a man of God. In the U.S., ruined his ministry. So you know, the way you are, the reason why your wife is behaving like this is because you know, she knows you are very, you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are a disciplined man. You don't believe in extramarital affairs. If you just do it small, she will shape up. I'm not kidding. And the man voiced it. Satan said it in his head. He opened his mouth and said it. And one guy that was beside him heard it. And that was an instrument of the devil. That was the person that planted Jessica Han for Jim Baker. When I read his book, I was wrong. <laughs> he made that statement. And let me tell you how God does things. After that happened, the, that guy called himself a pastor. After that happened, that one died from meningitis. Oh, all the story you are hearing, Jessica, Jim Baker, that one just fell sick one day. They took him to the hospital, they said it was meningitis, and he died. That's the only thing the devil can do. Go around tempting. And say, see. That's where he gets his power from. Because the wages of sin is what? Death. And he has a power of death. You understand? So people need to have sin for that power of death to work in their lives. So that's why the devil goes around with temptation. And that's why Jesus said we should pray like this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the doing of evil. We must never do evil. Beyond that, listen to me, the devil doesn't have any power in your life. Don't be, don't be afraid of him. The person you should be afraid of 
Believe me, is the angry Jesus. Believe me, that is a person to be afraid of. He's very patient. He's been patient with the world. And what does his patience mean? He tells you, go and preach the gospel to the whole creature. Tell them I died for their sins. Tell them. But the time comes, ah, after all these years, they've been telling you. You have given you revelation that this is true. Then you still turn around and do this. Then suddenly all those hot, hard, wicked prayers you heard from the mouth of David, they are kindled. Then fulfillment begins. Starts wiping out households, nations, people. Pestilence will come, one third of the earth will vanish. Like I said the other time, <laughs> at that time the devil doesn't have time to tempt anybody. He too is on his way to hellfire. <laughs> he doesn't have that time. He doesn't have that time. His own judgment time has come. The problem is just that Jesus has gotten angry. That's the meaning of fire blazing from his eyes. Go and, go and read what John said about him. However, back to my message. He said, leave that matter. I will decide when I get to that point. As for you, continue as an intercessor. Plead for mercy for people. Even if you feel, let, I need to say this categorically, because of the plague that we have in teaching, popular teaching in Christianity in Nigeria today, which again means a lot of Africa is affected and a lot of the U.S. and Europe, they are affected. Once we start doing something, it spreads. Now, this is the plague that we find. Every time people have problems, especially at home, they are taught to fire the arrows of God against their enemies. And I'm saying to you today, it is wrong. It is wrong. It is not what Jesus taught. We read it just now from the book of Matthew chapter 5. He said to us simply, He said, love your enemies. Verse 44. Pray for those who persecute you. He said, that is a way you will prove yourself to be true children of your Father who is in heaven. That's what he said. And we saw him demonstrate it in his own life. And we saw it demonstrated again in the life of Stephen. So if you feel like your mother-in-law is your problem, it is time to pray for her. You kneel down and say, Lord, this woman needs the light of the gospel like I have it. In case you have it, of course, that's why you are praying. She needs it. Lord, open her eyes to see. Let the devil that is blinding her not have power in her life anymore. I'm raising my voice as an intercessor. You think your boss in the office does not want you to make progress. Why not? You add that prayer to it also. He needs the light of the gospel. Assuming that he's a Christian, that he's walking in darkness. Are you getting my point? Yes, he needs to be enlightened. He's, he's walking in darkness. He's walking in darkness. You start praying for him also. Which church does he go to? Lord, send him to a good church. Send him a good pastor that will instruct him. This is not right. He's miserable. There's nobody who's trying to make your life miserable that's sleeping well at night. I've seen people before that I just made up my mind that their problem is that the problem they have with me is I'm too happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once I was talking with somebody, I said, you know that guy? He doesn't like me. I said, do you know why? I frustrate his doctrine. You know they need to frustrate somebody's doctrine? Okay, how do I explain it? You know to, how to frustrate somebody's doctrine? Okay, let, what, this is what I mean. You have joined the Lord, you are bobbing all the time, and you wear earring. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? The person comes one day and says, we dreamt and went to hellfire. And we saw the girls, all the women with earrings, they were burning. And all the men committing adultery, they are in heaven. 
All the ones that stole government money, they are in heaven. All the armed robbers, they are in heaven. They didn't say like that, but I'm just trying to say it because they said that they saw people with hair attachments and jewelry and makeup. And then you come and you're praying, you, joy of the Holy Spirit. You are the one in the office that when there's a problem, people go to for counseling. And you, the woman sees you lay hands on people in the office and they are getting healed. You are frustrating her doctrine. Yeah, that's doctrinal frustration. <laughs> I mean, you just say you're bubbling in the Lord. Maybe one day she peeps into your office and you're about to start work and your eyes are closed and she can see the glory on your earring. <laughs> That's what I call frustrating the doctrine. Huh? And you, you can come and pray and say, God, you have to stop using this girl in, the, this, girl in this office. <laughs> and everybody said they are fasting. Or, or you, maybe now you join Pastor Bank in his own fasting method. And say, today, he has, oh, ah, sister, are you fasting? Yeah, you said, yes, I'm fasting. And after a while, you take a cup, you go to the fridge, take a cup of uh, juice and drink. Are you not fasting? I mean, my stomach is disturbing me. So I said, let me quell the noise with this. That I'll continue the fasting. Uh-uh. And then God now hears you and she can see it. That's what I call frustrating somebody's doctrine. <laughs> Don't be angry. What did I say? When you have people like that, all right, just go and pray for them. Say, Lord, I beg, the freedom that I have in Christ that's making me this joyful and happy, dash this my sister small too. Very valid prayer. That's what I mean. Say, Lord, please, uh, give her small too. I, I, in fact, the one I, I'm thinking about, I can't tell you the details. There are people who have sacrificed so much for God, in quotes. I want to teach how to work for God again. When I finish total faith, somewhere along the line. I want, you know that book, How to Work for God? I want to teach it systematically. Because many people have so frustrated themselves working for God that they are angry when people that have liberty are succeeding. Say, God, I'm the one you should be blessing. This boy doesn't fast. (laughs) I'm not kidding. They came to Jesus. What's wrong with you people? The disciples of John, we know how they used to suffer. (laughs) Your disciples came now. Every party people attend. They even reserve canopy for Jesus and company. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> the, the Pharisees used to look like, what's going on with this guy? Because John won't come for your party. He won't come. Oh, he wouldn't come for your party. And he was preaching hot, hot word. The message of John was hot. He used to shout because he was in the wilderness and making a lot of noise with all the noise he made. I'm not abusing Brother John. I love him. He's the greatest of all men, born of women, until Jesus came. With everything, the Bible said in black and white, clearly, John did no mighty work. He thought that preaching, filled with the Holy Spirit, was the mother's womb. He didn't wear a suit all his life. <laughs> with all of that, not one mighty work. Jesus was a carpenter for a while, and no going about business, discussing with clients. John the Baptist had no such privilege. From childhood, he was causing problems in the family. As a teenager, he had moved into the wilderness, preaching against everybody. 
with all of that, you know, Jesus was just watching him from a distance. He said, this is my servant is trying. He's doing well. He's well anointed. Jesus was going about his business. Then one day, John said, ah, what's going to happen? The Lord now appeared from heaven by manifestation and said, you will soon see the one who I sent. And when he saw Jesus, he said, what? You? He must have been surprised. But let's even leave John. After that, the Pharisees, when I saw another person preaching the same message of John, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The only difference, this man, go to the wilderness. No. Why? My cousin is wedding. Came out of Galilee. Guys, let's go. Ah! Then when he starts preaching, the Pharisees could, they had never, you know, John was hot. He used to shout, without raising his voice. Even the Bible said that his voice he will not raise. Without raising his voice, he will talk. And they would think God is talking. He said he spoke as one having authority. Then you will see somebody who is sick. Say you, I free of yours from your sins. Get up. You are well. Ah, he will stand. After drinking a bottle of wine. <laughs> Ah. I don't know what I get for your point. Did he drink wine? <laughs> Who do you think needed wine when they came to him to multiply? <laughs> they came late. Love who came and said, when has finished? Hi. Mary said, come. She said, my guy. Come and talk to him. He solves problems all kinds of ways. So they, these people came and completely complained. The Pharisees, they couldn't get it. Your disciples don't fast. It's not right. They shouldn't be getting this kind of results. <laughs> yeah, that was a complaint. That's what I mean. That's what I mean by you can frustrate somebody's doctrine. They were frustrated. Jesus now said, what is wrong with you people? Okay, John the Baptist did not eat. He did not go for this wedding ceremonies and naming that I go for. Did you believe him? Uh, well, so you see, you are like children in the marketplace. We played songs of rejoicing. You did not dance. We played the funeral tune. You refused to mourn. That is, it was just a confusion to them. They thought it would be like John. He w- they didn't believe John. Don't mind them. <laughs> the Lord is good. How did I get into all of that? <laughs> I'm not going to explain the particular point. Sometimes people's doctrine can be frustrated by your life. Very frustrated. Oh, I like one that God is going to use in your life to frustrate people. Just listen to this one. He's going to use this. Say amen ahead. It's a good one. He's going to use this. Somebody say amen. Amen. You will refuse to worry like they are worrying. Is it that it's like this? Well, it's like this. You just be in the office. (laughs) Don't worry. All things work together for good to them that love God. You will not, you know, they say, give money in the office. Now, Now you go bring money. Say money. You will drop. They've all saved their own. Are you getting my point? They have saved it up. Why? Ah, you never can tell what tomorrow will be like. Then tomorrow comes. You are the one that buys a fine car. And have, you have money to fuel it. You still be carrying them free while they are still complaining. It will happen to you. Amen. You will refuse to worry. Say, hey, ah, you have to save up now. You never can tell. A time will come. Your children will grow up. They want to go to school. They will go to the best schools and they will still see that you never worried. They will be, they will be the ones to fear Ebola most. They will go to hospital more than any other person. You will be careless. You didn't wash your hand. You were shaking people. On top of that, everybody's healthy in your house. Oh, it will happen to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
One day somebody will come to you and say, come, let's talk. Teach us the way of the Lord. <laughs> yes, that's it. Let me go back to what I was saying. So what I'm saying is that, so even if somebody's angry with you in the office, it's because of lack of knowledge. It's because of lack of understanding. What do you do for such a person? You pray again. That's what I want to emphasize. That is how you pray in the time of affliction. For people that you even feel are part of the problem that you have. Once you consider the person your personal enemy, the Lord Jesus says simply, this is what you do. Pray for the person. And we've taken examples from his life. He said they don't know what they are doing. Remember the man who fought? (laughs) This is another interesting one. Many people are angry with relatives. Let's talk practical things. You think your your uncle should have helped you? He hasn't. Should I give you the good news of God? He will not. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? I know the amen did not come. I'm not surprised. That's the good news of God. You know why it's good news? Because the less human help you have, the more heavenly help you can depend on. That's why it's the good news of God. Once you lock your eyes on any individual looking to the person for help, you have closed the doors for God to do something great in your life. One thing I've been preaching over the last few weeks is that believers, I discovered it while meditating, of course, preaching. I just wonder what God does is to open doors for you. What God does is to open doors. He will open the door. He will bring the person by himself that will help you that you did not know before. That's how he takes his glory. That's how he takes his glory. That's why I said it's good news from God. There are people, they are very angry because they know the uncle could just sign this check. Huh? And five million will show and this business can kick off. And you came here this evening so that you can hear from heaven. About God said, he's not going to give you the money through that method. And the earlier you say amen, the better for your business and for your life. Mm-hmm. If your eyes have been focused on anybody, you have been looking the wrong direction. Did you hear what I said? I'll say it again. If your eyes have been focused on anybody, you have been looking in the wrong direction. And God deliberately closes their mind so that they don't remember you. And it's love. It's just love. It's not anger. You know, there are times that the Lord is displeased. He's not really displeased. He's just like, ah, this girl doesn't understand. This boy doesn't get it. So let's help him. Let's help her. So the next time you go and visit your uncle, you'll be there and say, ah, so, hey, so Ifama, how are you? How is everything? Oh, and your mind is like, okay, how is business? It's, ah, uncle, it's capital that I just need to say, don't worry, you will get, you will get, you will get. Hey, okay, so, Michael, come. What were we talking about? He don't forget you. <laughs> Why are you still there? The man enters his car and says bye-bye. And you're like, did you not hear that I needed capital? He didn't hear. What he thought you said was that you needed to capitalize on some advantages. <laughs> that is, when you tell him later, but I was telling uncle I needed money. He, he, have I seen the last one here? He can't remember. And it's paining you because you know he can easily afford it. What's my message for you today? It's not him. It's God. Yeah, he's not the one that forgot. It's God that said forget. He's not the one that refused to help. He's the one that, that it's God that said, I have removed her help from your hands. 
So when you get home today, you know what you do? Rejoice. Thank God. Say, Lord, thank you. I, ah, if my uncle had helped me, do you know by now I'll be depending on human beings? My help would not have been coming from the Lord. You've not seen anything yet, but you're already thanking God. That is how to react in the time of the adversity. Then, and don't pray corner, corner prayer for your uncle. You know, like corner, corner prayer. He's an unbeliever. You are praying that he will be saved so that he will believe you. That's rubbish prayer. God won't answer it. Pray real prayers. If he's an unbeliever, pray, ah, my uncle, oh God, he's been a kind man. Lord, bless him, help him, do him like you did Cornelius. His arms won't save him. If he and his wife, they're always quarreling. And you've seen people that they and their wives don't quarrel. Ah, God, it can be like that for my uncle. Pray sincere prayer. And that's what the Bible calls, if you read my book, How to Work for God, I explained it there. The prayer that has reward. The man does not know you are praying for him and his wife. In fact, he doesn't even know he has a problem there. You are the one that knows that this is not right. And you are praying for him every day. And you will never tell him you did. Just pray that prayer from the bottom of your heart and leave it there. I hope you are getting my point. The reason why the man in the, in the Bible forgot Joseph for two years was because God said, forget for two years. And that's sometimes God said, remember him. And he remembered. And then you know what happened to the life of Joseph. I want to tell you for some people, is forget for 50 years. So don't think that God, he will soon remember me. If, if you are still saying he will soon remember me, your eyes are still focused on the wrong place. He has forgotten you. Say amen. amen. He will not remember. Say amen. amen. God will not forget you. Say amen. amen. The Lord will remember you. Amen. Is that not what we are looking for? Say, so send us help from above. Vain is the help of man. For that reason, don't be angry. They forgive everybody. I, I don't, why, why should you be angry? What is there to be angry about? Let's tell stories again. Israel said last time I told too many stories. He said, don't be angry. Just, just two or three. Okay, four. <laughs> Not more than four. I'm just saying four in case I'm pushing it. John Johnson's of Ebony. He went to three people. When they were at the 50th anniversary of Johnson Publications. Johnson and Johnson Publications. The publisher of Ebony. You know, he made a statement. He said, today I want to thank three people whose names I will not mention. mention, Who made it possible for me to be the sole owner of Johnson and Johnson Publications today. Or Johnson Publications. I don't know what is it. Johnson and Johnson. Or Johnson, eh? Just Johnson Publications. All right. Why is he thanking them? He said, because 50 years ago, when I wanted to start this company, I approached them and asked them to invest in the company. I was going to give each person 25%. And they all said no. So 50 years later, I want to thank them for saying no. Because at that point in time, that company was worth close to a billion dollars. I don't know exact amount that time. And it was his sole owner, 100%. He said, if they had given me the money I wanted, by now, I would probably own like 25%. So on the 50th anniversary, I want to thank them for saying no. May the Lord bless you. I'm adding my own words now. You didn't say that. May the Lord bless you for saying no. Your no has turned out to be prosperity for me. When they said no, he had to become ingenious. He had to discuss with his mother. And the mother agreed to lend him 
her furniture. We now use the furniture as collateral to borrow money from a bank. Oh, that's how it began. And of course, the business did well. He was able to pay off the bank, pay everybody off, and he built the business until it became something that you and I can sit down here in Enugu tonight and we are talking about it. Because somebody said what? No. Every no in your life is an advantage in heaven. Amen. Every no in your life is going to turn out to be an advantage, releasing a blessing from heaven. Amen. There are places people where refuse jobs, and they're angry. Say they didn't, you know, you know, Nigerians now. When they don't give you a job, it's because I'm not from the same state as the <laughs> as the MD. You employ somebody you know because his uncle is a brother-in-law to the auntie's grandfather's junior sister. You connect it. Why? You have nothing else to say. And you're angry with the country. You're just angry with everybody. So if they cross the road, if, you, if a policeman stops you, that you're driving wrongly, you clearly check which tribe are you. Because he stopped me because I'm not from his tribe. <laughs> You know, it's, a, it's Nigerians' way of, of running away from their own responsibility. Napoleon said, never ascribe to conspiracy what can be explained by incompetence. <laughs> Before he said, they didn't, they didn't take me because ask yourself, what is my score? How well did I do? Anyway, let me not sit on that. The point I'm making is that, as a believer, when they refuse you something... You just feel sorry for them. You know why? You're a blessing. You know you're an honest man. If they had made you an accountant, their accountant, their money would have been complete. And you know the other guy they employed? Oh God, that guy, he was in school with you. You know, say, he won't, when it comes to money, 200 plus 200 for him is 350. The other 50 naira, you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You wanted to help them. So you feel sorry for them. But this is what I'm making. The same place where you were rejected. You know what the Bible says? The stone that the builders rejected. What happened to the stone? It became the chief. I like the way they added it. No wonder Pastor Moffat called his church Cornerstone Church. (laughs) You will become the cornerstone. Somebody say amen. Amen. Don't worry about being rejected. God doesn't want to be implanted in all kinds of places. There was a ministry I went to one day. I went there to go and sit down because I felt as a preacher in the making. I should settle down and join. And as soon as I sat down, the Lord sent an angel and he wrapped a nylon bag on my head. Did you see him? No. Did you see the bag? No. But can I show you? I felt it. I couldn't breathe throughout the service. As a man was preaching that day, I would, I would have run away earlier. I said I was sitting in front. The man was just talking. I can't remember. I was twisting. And you know the funny thing? I would do, you know, physically speaking. I try to breathe. I can feel the breath. I will inhale. I will feel it's going in and out. Once I stop, the thing that is, I can't, I feel like I see somebody is choking me to death. As now they said, let us share the grace. I shared my grace running. If I say this, you will laugh. I physically sprinted from the front of the church to the back. As, as I will be allowed by the movement of human beings. I pushed my way till I got outside. As soon as I got outside the church, the whole manifestation cleared. And I looked at that building. And I felt in my spirit, if I see you here again, 
my brethren, I never went back. I am sure if the Lord didn't drive me like that, you and I won't know each other today. Without giving me one branch somewhere. Yes. That's what happens. No, let me assure you, my car will be better than this one. Oh, oh the car. No, no, don't say amen. You don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, if I had gone that way, you understand? By now, no, my car will be big. Probably have um, one house in Abuja. I won't have come to a new week, I'm sure of that. What am I doing here? By now, I'll be pastoring the London church, you know, that kind of thing. Huh. I mean, I'll be looking different. <laughs> different. Except that anytime I open my mouth, nobody will be blessed. Nobody. And heaven will be looking and say, what a waste. By that time, if I tell you more things that you will have, if, of course, this wife, I will not have married. Because God will have said, no, don't waste her. Let's go and look for somebody that has sense. This idiot, give him, <laughs> find a Jezebel to bless his life. I can assure you of one thing. Probably have two girlfriends, apart from the wife that I will have at home. And I'll be speaking good English, though. And deceiving the whole generations of the earth. What I have told you is exactly what will have happened. Or worse. So the Lord just said, oh yeah, drive that boy away from that place. Many, listen, life is not about, okay, so your car is not as big. Was I sent to the, to earth to go and look for a car? When Jesus starts burning up this earth, the first thing that will go is the buildings and the cars. <laughs> and all of us, all the sinners will run down to the mountains and say, fall on us. You know, that's what he said. Yeah. You will forget that you have a, a, a luxury apartment. You will shout, fall on me. Mountain. Why? Because you want to hide from the fury of the Son of God. So, no, no, God didn't send us to the earth. You don't judge success by such things. No, you don't. Let me just leave that one there. I don't want to say some more things about judging success. The point I'm just trying to make is that so disappointment, God closes a door, don't worry about it. What did I say? And don't ever think that if I had gone that way, I would have been richer now. Look at what has happened to me. Your life is not about being rich. Your life is about fulfilling the reason why God gave you breath. Yesterday, I got a lot of messages here, and one of the ones I got very powerful, I followed it to one of our brothers. He said, see, this is what I'm telling you about. I mean, you, you read the message, you say, ah, thank you, Jesus, that our, my life is counting. That's what matters. Let me end my message. What's the point I've made today? In the time of affliction, it's not time to get angry with anybody. Don't pray prayers based on vexation. I was telling you earlier about a Jimbeka. When Jim Baker went to prison, no matter, spiritual things are interesting. I can't remember his age exactly when he went to prison now. I don't know. But this was in 1980. It was late 80s, around between 88 and 90. Not very sure of which year now, all right? He was a young man, maybe not more than, um, yeah, about 40, thereabouts, all right? Thereabouts. And then he was sentenced to 36 years imprisonment. You know, Americans love to send people to jail. 
They know how to do it. They have a special anointing for jailing you. If Americans want to jail you for falling down, you're just walking and you tripped. They know how to concoct the charges. So that you will be begging to plead guilty. That, that, that's how bad they are. They are very, in fact, yesterday my wife and I were talking. And I said, if you want to, look, in case you're a criminal, you're listening to me, I want to travel abroad, come and listen to advice. Go to Europe. Europe is where one man killed 87 people, almost 90 people. And they sent him to 30-something years imprisonment. If, I, if you kill that number of people, Americans will sentence you to one life imprisonment for, a, for each dead person. So you, are, you have 87 life imprisonments. <laughs> your children of the 17th generation will be helping you to serve your imprisonment, <laughs> if possible. Then for the ones that were injured, you'll be getting between 10 and 25 years for each person you injured. Then for the public building you destroyed, you get like 15 years for that. When they total, they will tell you you have 87 life imprisonments and 180 years. You don't know which one you should serve first. Should I do this? <laughs> now, what am I saying? So, what Jim Baker was sent to prison for 30 something years for? In Britain, you probably do six months of community service. That's how bad they are in America when it comes to jail. That's how come they have over 3 million people in prison. Now, why am I saying this story? They said Jim Baker was guilty of wire fraud, mail fraud. All the charges were federal charges. What do they call wire fraud? The people that sent the ministry money sent it by wire transfer. So they say it's wire fraud. Because he used to send them mails to say this is what the ministry is doing. That's mail fraud. By the time they were done, each charge probably carried like five years imprisonment and all of that. It totaled over 35 years that he would go to jail for. Which is you know, technically life imprisonment. That's how the Americans don't have a justice system. They have a vengeance system. Yeah, that's what I say. Somebody must pay. And you pay to the extent to which people feel they've been injured. So, for example, in America, if you steal 10,000 naira, let's use that as an example, okay? You can go to jail for a short while. But if you steal, let's say, 10,000 naira, from 20 people, they can put in jail for 20 years. But Britain just thinks that he's stealing. You're a thief. <laughs> That's how they do. But Americans know. And so it depends on how angry the prosecutor is. So one man decides that you have done too much. Bernard Madoff was sentenced essentially to life imprisonment. Why? He stole money from many people. 150 years for a man that's 70. You need Methuselah to come and help you serve your jail sentence. <laughs> you have to have a life after that. Now, why am I saying this? Jim Baker was sentenced to for all kinds of small, small charges because they were angry with him. And the man who sentenced him was a judge that was known for giving out maximum sentences. So they used to call him Maximum Bob. I assume his name was Robert, uh, Robert Duran. I don't know his name. So they used to call him Maximum Bob. That was his name in legal circles. So when it's on your case, you had better not be guilty. Because once you are guilty, he gives the maximum sentence on everything. He was an angry man. So Jim Baker went to jail. He looked at his life, looked at what was left of it, looked at his prison sentence that he had to serve. He decided that he was going to die in prison. So he just relaxed. What am I telling the story? After his head cooled down properly, after some time, he sat down and began to pray. And what did he pray for? 
Who did he pray for? He said, praying for everybody, including Maximum Bob. He blessed the house of Maximum Bob. He thanked God for his life. He thanked God for Jessica Han, who started the whole problem. He thanked God for those who blackmailed him. He prayed for them. He kept on doing everything that he could to bless them. That was what he did. He had resigned to die in prison. He wasn't doing it to bribe anybody. This jail will die there. But what now happened? God in heaven, I believe it was something like Jonah. God just told the fish, which is the American justice system, vomit him. The case went to appeal. A university professor took up the case. I don't think he was even getting paid. I can't remember. He looked at it and said, your lawyer was a bad lawyer. But what do we do? Let's look at the case. He looked at the case critically and noticed his little flaw. He couldn't, he was guilty, he was guilty. That was understand. But he said the sentence was too harsh. So they had to appeal based on the sentence. So what was the appeal? The, the man, Maximum Bob, made a slip of tongue when he was pronouncing the judgment. He said that you, now I can't remember the exact words. Let me give you the kind of thing he said. You're you, these modern preachers. You make the rest of us look like we don't know what we are doing. Do you get the point? He had put his person into the judgment. So that went to appeal. Appeal court threw it out. Said that judgment is null and void and of no effect. He was guilty, but he had to be resentenced. So they put him back before another judge. That one gave him five months, six months, five months, six months. The total jail term reduced from 36 years to five years. I'm telling you, minimum bob. Are you see what I'm saying? I believe one of the things that God did was that when the man was in prison, you can get the book. All the story I've told is written in a book titled that was wrong. All right, it's a very big book. I read it many years ago. Okay? He wrote the whole story inside there. That's where I got a story from. So he served the sentence out. By that time, he had been in jail for some time. So he did a few more years. And then at the end of about four years or so, they released him on, you know, they released it a bit early. And then the man, his life began again, okay? But why I told the story is that when he was in prison, he was not angry with anybody. First thing he did was to get, remove all the anger. Everybody, including this man, this, this conservative American preacher. Eh? No, not Swagger. Swagger was not, uh, uh, Jerry Farwell, thank you. I think he must have even prayed for Jimmy Swagger because Jimmy Swagger was, he attacked him day and night on TV. Jerry Fowell was, the, those guys really made a mess of him. He prayed for all of them. He said, God, forget them. They are not my problem. And he resigned to dying in prison. One day he just heard. He said in prison they have a saying, you ain't got nothing coming. That's the way they say it in prison. That don't, put your hope, don't lift your hopes up. You ain't got nothing coming. But that day, the Jesus just came to the prison that Jimmy Baker actually got something coming. What happened? His sentence has been overturned. The, the prisoners couldn't believe it. They didn't know it could happen. Next thing the sentence came out, he had just five years or so to serve in jail, and he has already served part of it. I believe it was because the man said, no, no point in getting angry. I remember the story I told you here before. I read of one man who was sentenced to death for, for something. At the end of the day, his friend managed to get him a pardon. This was years ago. I don't know whether it's a real story or somebody just made it up to, make it, to explain something. But I read it many years ago in a tract. So his friend went to the jail with a pardon paper in his pocket from the governor so that he could get his friend released. So he said, he told his friend, assuming the name is Bob, 
He said, Bob, what will you do now if you are released? They tell you to, they open the doors and say, go out. He said, I guess I'll go out. You get to the gates, they say, okay, you are free, you can go. He said, what will you do? He said, I guess I'll go to Lancaster. The guy said, Lancaster, what are you going to do there? I'm going to get me a gun. He said, for what? He said, see that judge that sentenced me to death? I'm going to shoot him. And that guy who testified against me, I'm going to shoot him too. He said, look, are you serious? He said, yes. If he gets out of here, he's killing all of them. This man gently took his pardon paper, tore it to pieces, and walked away. And allowed the man to go to the gallows that he was supposed to go to. Why? Because when freedom came to him, he was so angry. When I get a judge, a hellfire, we will go fight. You've got to my point. The time of affliction, we are not getting angry. We are not body building, you know, keeping anything in our hearts against anybody. We are just there to pray for people, forgive them, and allow God to bless us the way he wants to and judge people if he decides to. I hope you get my point. Let's bow down our heads and pray. I've spoken quite at length today. Let's give the Lord thanks. While you are praying, let's just, each, I think as I was speaking, each person knows the time to take your eyes off people and forgive somebody and pray for somebody. Let's just take a minute and do that quickly. Each individual, just do it the way it comes to your mind.